And we are in Nefesh Chaim, Shara Aleph Perakei. So in the, we've been covering what we've covered so far. Let's just quickly recap to Chazara. What we've covered so far is what does it mean to be the image of God? The Tzad specifically the word Elohim. What it means is that Hashem runs the world patterned and after and responsive to what we do. So we do something, we make a bracha, we do a mitzvah, we do something good. And there's a flow of positive energy into all the different worlds and layers all the way coming down here. Do you want to, do you want me to tell me tonight? So, so yeah. Oh yeah, this, this script is a little hard. It's a more old, old, uh, old style prints. Here we go. Down at the bottom of the parakeet. So that's what, that's what we discovered. And, and we spoke therefore about the fact that big major events that happen, such as the Chorban Abayas, the Beis Amitra being destroyed, really is much more about the, the, the greater destruction is what, is what we did in removing Hashem from the world. Okay, Masha also and therefore a person should never think their actions don't matter. That was the conclusion so far. Now we're going to take this principle and go deeper and deeper into it. Okay, this is like, I tell you, a lot of these, the, the way these books that take, especially the deeper areas of Torah, will start with something and in essence, they've really said everything. Now you got to work out what was contained within that. Now you got to let that thing flower out and bring out all its details. And last time we went through a whole long discussion about how the real house of God, the real base of Mitchell, the real Mishkan, is is Kalisal, is, is is the human being, is right, is what is what we're what we're gonna become and what we are, collectively and individually. Okay. Why did Hashem want it to be this way? And he adds an extra word here, not just the, 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 because this came up a little bit in the footnote last time. It's not just that the world respond to what we do. It's that we ourselves have within us an aspect of everything, right? Our biology contains genes from the plant world, animal world, all the way through. And our spiritual side contains all the higher world aspects of all of them. It's all like everything is wired together into this human being. Okay, now why? Why does she have to make it that way? So, because as we all know, when we learn the Zohar and Arizal, right, all the Kabbalistic works, that now we're going to get into this whole concept. We've touched upon this idea of worlds, plural, right? And worlds, plural means that reality is projected onto many, many layers or levels. Again, even the analogy projected sounds very physical. But <coughs> so we, we ourselves brought the analogy of the program that underlies the graphics and the bits and the bytes and so on. You've got layers of reality. And there is a shtarshalus. What a shtarshalus means is a downward, like a chain with downward flow. So Hashem projects and say from his will, it arrives into some realm. From there, it becomes a light that shines into the next one, next one, next one, next one, all the way down till we get to the very physical outer layer of all reality here. Now, shakal oilam hu misnaheg besidam atzavichol proteinyan of kvinatiyas kercha elion shalav, oilam shalav. Any world you pick, any layer of reality you pick, Everything happening inside it is being determined by that which happens in the world above it. You know, any two worlds, one is almost like the conscious will or soul of the world below. And as things move around here, they'll move around on the lower one too. And then you got this. This does the same thing to the one below that. And this is on the one below that. So you always, in every layer, you have the equivalent of soul and body, right? So one world is like the soul relative to the 
world below it, which is like its body, and then that's like the soul relative to the world below that, and that's the soul relative to the world below that. Of course, this one contains within it all the light of all the worlds above it, but then it operates on this, this operates then on this, and so on all the way down. Okay? Make sense? Anything that doesn't make you feel free to ask or whatever. You know, we bench off, they say, Baruch It's got to give life to the world's plural. So this is part of what it, it alludes to. Okay. Podcast said, any listeners hear me, please don't say amen. Okay. <laughs> You've announced it for all the listeners here. Don't tell me. Say Well, you can hear it now. <laughs> Delete that one from the camera. Okay. Now, so what's going on? So, Literally, that's the idea that any higher world is like a soul to the world. It's like the soul body relationship with the world below. However, we understand soul. Doesn't really matter. And that goes upwards and upwards and upwards. Till you get to the point where you'd say, God of God's will is the soul of all these things. So, what's this world? There's like a world, if you like, shining light and drive and energy and will into it moving things in this world. Then you go into that world. Oh, there's a world, there's a layer behind that. There's driving things. That, oh, you go that way. There's a layer all the way back, all the way through everything until ultimately driving everything is a Kodesh Baruch, is God, the Holy One. So, Ayin Zoya Abachon, then he brings a quote for proof of the Zoya Abachol Alma, etc. Every single world, Elav Sata, above and below, Meresh Rosdenakuda Elah, from the highest, highest place, at Sofer Dechol Daragin until the lowest, lowest place, Kula Ihu. All of them, Dolavusha, the dot. Each one is the clothing, one for the next one. So the lower one is like a clothing for the one above. By the way, you see that hinted amazingly in the, in the Hebrew alphabet itself. You know, the Hebrew alphabet itself is, is the tools of all creation. And the letters, and, so the first letter is Aleph, which is the only sound that is not a consonant in the Hebrew alphabet. Every other sound involves the movement of the tongue, the palate, the teeth, the lips, the gut, the throat, something. Now, Ashkenazim have another, we have a letter ayin, right? But really, ayin is a gutter, it's an ayin, right? Move. Aleph is the only way, if you just make a noise, it can have infinite potential, it can go anywhere, right? It doesn't have any, it's not a clothing. But they say the next world becomes the, the clothing for the next three Hebrew letters, beged, spelt, reclothing. So you take that pure, infinite energy, of the number one, and you can enclose it into anything else. So this is this is the deep, and of course that's where in the world of clothing you lose some of the light. Now comes the possibility of treachery, and deception, and that's why those same three Hebrew letters spell the word bygade, which means treachery. Let's see what's mm-hmm. going on. So, and this is the idea. So well, layer layer, we're going to go into etc. Over idra. Now idra is sections of the Zohar that are particularly, the Zohar, the Zohar texts that are particularly difficult and whose interpretation give rise to what we call the Arizal's Kabbalah, basically. Okay. Kulu Nahiri Nechidon, all the lights, Nahiri Adar, they're all held together like this. Nahiri Adar, this light is within this light. Nahiri Adar, this light is within this light, right? And etc. So in other words, he's giving you snippets of the quote here from the actual core Kabbalistic text. Alright, and then the whatever light shines is really a clothing of the king. 
or Zabar, 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 Ma'irim, sorry, sorry, the light is the core of the core of everything, ultimately is Hashem's will. Ayin Shom, look at the the Zayar there. Okay. What is the eight times? The eight times is the Arizal. It's actually written by a student of Chaim Vital. It's called the Tree of Life. And that's his long explanation of all these principles that underlie Kabbalistic understanding of things using his un- his understanding of Kabbalah, and that's considered generally the most authoritative. He goes all the quotes, etc., etc. The outer layer of every paratsofan world. Now, what is a paratsof? Paratsof literally means a facial expression. So here's a very deep idea, okay? You might have heard of the concept of sephiros in Kabbalah. You might not. Sephiros are often called emanations. They're midas, and they're like, they're character programs, if you like, that Hashem uses to run the world. So chesed, the idea of endless giving. Kavura, the idea of holding back. The idea of Tiferes, of, of creating balance in the universe. The idea of Netzach, of, of attaching to the eternal plan of God. The idea of Hoid, the space that we do for the human to shine. Yisoid, the integrity and relationship. Malchus, the ability to bring it all together to produce king, God's kingship in the world. All of these different things, Chokhmah, Wisdom, Bina, all these different things are called Sephiros. And the idea is that in we, although we speak about many, many, many worlds, we generally cluster them into four. Okay, you'll hear different words. You'll hear a word called Atsilus, Bria, Yetzira, Asiya. Atsilus is, is the zone of emanation. It's essentially God's name. Okay, God's name is where you take, if you like, it's God's pure will. The four-letter name of God contains within it everything. Everything that can ever happen. In fact, the word for that which can happen is Yehiyah. The word for that which is present is Hovah. The word for that which is past, Haya. If you put them all into a single word, it will be God's name. So it contains the will of everything that ever will be, won't be. Everything is contained in God's name. God's name is like the will of all of creation. And you have them worlds below it and below and below. In that world, you have these 10 different midas, attributes, character traits, if you like, that God's now, when we have a character trait, a character trait, pulls us and, and, and manipulates us and forces us to do certain things or drags us in certain directions. Hashem doesn't have that. He's the creator of everything. So it's not that he has, he's pulled by his love or pulled by this or pulled by anger, right? That's not what it means. <laughs> and that's why whenever we use these words about Hashem, we don't mean them in the sense they apply to us. But at the core of creation are a set of patterns, laws. And those patterns and laws, when we have them in us, we experience them as emotions and feelings. Now, so they're called the Sephiros. And you'll often see these maps of, you know, things interconnecting with each other, these little bubbles, and they look a bit like the figure of the human being. A Paratsuf is a cluster of them. Or it's, sometimes it's one of them alone, especially the higher ones, sometimes it's a group of them together. The point is they can interact like a functioning complex entity. Because certain midas don't really operate completely on their own. They operate when they're in an interaction with others. So when he talks about the Paratsuf over here, he's talking about one of the f- four states, if you like, in the inner worlds that these 10 things operate in. Okay? I'm not sure of that. Is that making... Yeah? You follow? Is, that, shall I repeat some of that? Shall I go through some of that? Okay, so we've got Sephiros, the Midas. We've got the world. And all of those... These Sephiros are in all of the worlds. Okay? And in fact, within each one is each of them. So you've got like multiple fractal system and 
then they're projected into all the worlds. Then each world, yeah. same spirit is there. Same spirit. There's only, yeah, there's one other spheres They exist everywhere. Everything is basically made out of interactions of spheres and one or two other things as well. That's everything's made out of them. So all the manifestations of God, all the patterns that he's using in the world are just complex interactions of these things. Of the spheres. Yeah. How many spheres are there? Ten. Uh, sorry, and it's, like, it's almost like if you're trying to visually imagine it, but these different worlds, but the spheres are consistent. It's not different spheres. Right, right. Now, how a sphere operates in one world or another, it's a bit like, okay, it's a little bit like all the quarks and leptons out of which all of physics is made. I look me there, Rabbi. Okay. Okay, so I guess if you take some primary colors, right? Every painting and every pigment is going to be made up of them, but you might put them together and they produce what looks like a new color. Yeah. But it's really a mix of the other colors. And then you might mix that and mix that and mix that and mix that. So you have in the closer you are to the core, the more distinct they'll be and pure they'll be. And then they interact with one another and interact with one another and interact with one another. And then you get this, and then they're projected down a world where none of them shine quite as brightly. The core being the up, the most important. Yeah, 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 yeah. Fine. Yeah, it's almost like a um, like a filter. We could see worlds it's as filters. Yeah, down. Yeah, and it's losing it. Yes, and the reason it's important to lose its shine is so there can eventually be something that feels its own existence, because the light that shines is God's will, and when you think of something, it can't feel its own existence. You dominate it. It has to go through, so creation has to go through many, many, many layers till something can actually get the sense of its own self. I'm slightly oversimplifying, but that's the basic concept. Now, can they interact simultaneously in different worlds? Yes. 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 Now, at a very deep, yes, the short answer is yes. They're going on, things are going on all the time as those things interacting. Ultimately, though, since each world is being powered by the world above it, in the end, even their interactions in one world will be linked by the interactions in the inner world. Okay, and the parrot stuff is, is how they interact as a network. So m a whole bunch of them will, will interact as, as a network. <coughs> That's one way to, to put it. Okay, so any of these things, the outer layer of this parrot of all this world, if you've got an interacting network of them, their outer layer will then drive the next pattern of them. And when you've got a world, the outer layer of that world will be the conduit through the which the light then shines down into the next world and operates it. And therefore the outer layer of this world now becomes like the neshama, the soul of the world below. Right? And the outer layer of this interactive, what's the word we'd use, this parrots of this uh, interactive entity, or combination of spheres that, that cluster together and produce some kind of combination, that outer layer then will power the next one below that too. So whatever you have, any, any you could see it as a whole, on some sense, the, the last point of it will be the point from which it shines its light into the next thing down through the system. Here he says what we just said. All the worlds are generalized into four. So they're the clustered together into four worlds or four world clusters. Now here he doesn't use this. The, he uses a different, amazingly, he doesn't use this more standard language of Bria, Yetzira, Asiya, which are different words for creating and making, which he talks, Ifanim, Chayos, that's usually different types of angels, if you or spiritual beings that may permeate these different worlds. So you've got the Ifanim, you've got the Chayos, and he's doing this because if you look in the first chapter of the book of Yechazkel, when Ezekiel, when Yechazkel has this vision of the inner workings of creation, he has these, these 
Ofanim, the Ofan beings, the highest, the life points. And then ultimately, oh, the kids are covered. He actually sees the highest before the Ofanim, but then the kids are covered, the throne of glory, literally, that's what we translate it. And the emanation of God's holiness, right? That's called the innermost world. So the emanation, the throne, which we typically call the world of Bria or pure creation, the world of the highest, of the inner types of beings, which is often called the world of Yitzira, of formation, in which forms of things exist. And finally, the world of Asiya, the world of action, which has these, I find in these things that relate very much to the interactions of our world. Okay. This is very, very deep things that we're learning over here. And a lot of these words might just go through one ear and come out the other. You'll hear them again, hear them again, hear them again. And eventually you have to deal with each of them as their own concepts and then flesh them out a lot, lot more. But for now, it's just like create a basic pattern of structure. It's not critical to get all the details here at this stage. Some of this we'll come back to in later chapters, some not. And the soul of each of these worlds is the world above it. Like he says, and here he quotes the first chapter of Yechazkel. As the highest move up, so the Ofanim, right, the lower world, the beings of the lower world move up with them. Because the spirit of the Chaya from the upper world, that world is in the Ofanim, the lower one. They move, they move. For Amdu, Amdu, as the inner ones stand, the outer ones stand, etc. And they, this world of the highest, which is operating the lower world, is being operated by the world called the throne of God's glory. It carries those who bear it. Like the Oren, the Ark of the, in the, the, hope that has the Ten Commandments, the Oren, those who carry it are really being carried by it. Yeah. So it looks like you're carrying the upper world, the throne of God, but really it's lifting you. And that means as it moves, so you move. Okay, there's many, many layers of depth behind this. One of the principles is that, is that the Oren says it holds the revelation of God, the Ark in it. It therefore comes from such a deep place, even in the physical world, it doesn't really operate under the laws of physics. You familiar with this concept that we say that, or, or I think you're at Sodic, but there's this concept that the closer you get to the Holy of Holies, to the Kodesh Kadoshim, the less and less the normal physical laws operate. You could fit like, so that's one of the, the Mishnah says, it talks about the miracles that happened in the, in the base of Mitch, in the temple. Maral says really it's only the first temple because that actually had the Oran, had the Luchas, had all these things in it. But the first mi- miracle is that they could literally fit everybody in. How do you fit hundreds of thousands of people? But yet when they fitted together, it was like a squash. But when they bowed down, there's room for everybody. Mm-hmm. How does that work? In the physical world, that's impossible under the physical laws. Your spatial dimension, when you stand, you take up much less floor space than when you prostrate yourself. But in the, if you like, mental and spiritual worlds, the more you stand, the more you don't make room for others. The more you bow down, the more there's room for everybody. So it's almost like the base of nature is, is itself obeying the laws of the spiritual world, it's not the physical world. And as you get closer and closer, you get to the point where we say, that the ark doesn't fit in. Now, the natural meaning of that is the simple meaning is, the poles stuck out, but many want to say that's not possible for many reasons. In Alofa, you couldn't have dark, bigger, and it basically doesn't, it, it just doesn't take up space. And there's Gemara's even that seem to say like, it's considered like it has no space, but it's not allowed to have no space. It has to, it just, it's like at that point where, I don't know where we are on some quantum universe, who knows what we're doing, but the normal, it's like, it's like you've got touched the spiritual world so deeply they touch the inner, it's like a portal out of this layer of reality into the inner layer and it's just shining through. 
and therefore the normal laws don't really apply over there. That's principle that's uh, that is often spoken about here. Okay, so it's the Orin, and that means even the physical world, the Ark, the Orin is is already operating like a non, like a like a portal to that which is beyond the physical world. Same principle, they, they carry that, what they carry, the throne carries them. And the life force, the soul of the throne, the third world, uh, the third innermost world, which we call the throne of God, because a throne is something that bears, carries, and projects the glory of that which is above it. So we call the inner, the third world, if you like, as we we're in the fourth world down here, third, second world up, I should say third I mean, the second world is called the throne of, of the soul of that world is the side Shoyosha Elian Shalklolos Nishmasi Salyachad. Listen to this. You would expect to say Hashem at this point. No, no, no. He, he says something else. The secret, secret always means the inner dimension of Shoyosh, the root, Elian, the high roots. So you got, you got a root, you got a high root, and you got the secret of the high root, right? Of what? Klolos Nishmasi Salyachad. This entire entity called Yisrael as a singular thing. Not lots and lots of Jewish people. There's a common point. There's a root called Yisrael, which is a vision of the human in total relation with God. There is a thing that doesn't exist in any one of us alone, but exists in us as a collective called Yisrael. That single soul that everyone who is currently Jewish in the world shares right now access to goes all the way and sits and is the like the neshama, the, the living force of the world we call the throne, which is the world we then call the the the, the etzira, the formation or the life, highest things down to our world. That inner, inner thing is in the highest world. In fact, it is, if you like, the point of unity that projects to all the lower world. So if you see everything going on in our world, kind of the world above it, and everything there's from the world, cluster world, cluster world, and everything about this coming from this thing called Yisrael, isn't that incredible? Absolutely. What does that mean, Yisrael? Is this the, the, the name they give the point, or is that, is that us? Well, he says, so Take all the souls, take the point of which of, the, of Yisrael is all one, take the root of that, take the upper root of that, and take the secret dimension of that, and there you are. So, and that's off the premise that our soul, you know, peace of Hashem. Well, peace of Hashem is, is a word that is used, but one has to be incredibly careful about words. Yeah, but to know what these things mean, right? Because we can end up physicalizing Hashem. Right. And that's that we can't do. The more correct way to understand it is the physical world itself is not as physical as we think it is. Right? From our perspective, it's physical, spatial, everything's broken apart in that. But from if you like from Hashem's perspective, there is no space, there is no time, there is none of this. And therefore, okay, but we are moving up. But let's let's say for making it easy, an expression of the will of Hashem. And once the nation took upon itself to commit itself to completely living our P, Rots, and Hashem, God's will, and living only in the relationship with Hashem, which is this week's Sedra, the moment the Jewish people were born, we were born with all the 10 plagues that had ripped away the 10 sayings of creation. And Hashem says, and, and we cried out to Hashem. We said, under the natural laws, we can't survive. Under the supernatural laws, we can't survive. So we cried to you. And it's like Hashem, and okay, I was saying, we cried out to Hashem, God of our ancestors. That's it. It's only you, Hashem. And as the Maharal says, what that meant is that Egypt crushed our ability to function in the natural world under the natural order, under the natural laws. And what emerged out of Egypt was not an entity like all other nations, plus we got a Torah, but something that cannot function like other nations can function. Jewish people cannot, Jewish people cannot function in the world like other nations do. And that's why we're not very good at it. 
we're constantly, the world's on pushing us out, right? If you like, we only function to the extent to which we're in a proper relationship with Hashem. We only survive on that basis. Although he's going to have a nice, strong army, he can have this, he can have that, but the, then the world can take you to the Hague. They can, you know, like, the, there'll be hatred here and hatred there, and you do and you don't. And it's, it's like all of Jewish history is like this. Always like this. But in the end, however much you can defend yourself physically and defend yourself in this court and that court, and, 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 and the most ridiculous, the more ridiculous the accusation, the more you'll just get masses and hordes repeating it and throwing it and justify, oh, of course it's true. You know, but in a certain sense, that's because we're not living up to the relationship with Hashem. In a certain way, we're not blaming ourselves, but that, that's the reality because we don't really, we're meant to be in this world to be ambassadors for a vision. And that vision is driving history. And that vision is the way the world's meant to be at the end. And that vision sits right at the core of creation and moves things and, and drives things. You know, it's very funny. Anti-Semites often believe that Jews are like this conspiracy driving the world. So, <laughs> of course, like it's a comedy show. But like you know, like Rabbi Sachs, you can't you can't get Jews around in a, in a synagogue shul board meeting degree. I know they can't. It's so dysfunctional. I mean, like, it would be the most dysfunctional organization around the world. But but this probably what they're sensing subconsciously is this deep thing called Israel that's driving history. It's probably a subconscious sense and a hatred of it, a hatred of the light to which history's been driven, and a sense that no matter what you do, it somehow bends and arcs back to where it needs to get to, and it's this subconscious entity called Yisrael. And those who love that thought will also like the ambassadors for that in this world, which, which is Yisrael, which is Israel, the Jewish people. And those who hate that will hate us. And, and what will happen therefore, and that's how, and that's how history is going to work. And, but the extent to which we're doing our job properly and literally reflecting that light in the world is the extent to which good things are happening. Love is spreading. The world's moving in the right direction. And there'll be limited hatred of us. An extent to which we're failing, the world wants to kick us out. So it's always a sign when the world behaves horrifically to us that we're not doing what we need to do, right? Doesn't mean, again, we're not blaming ourselves for the evil of, of mass murdering, you know, crazy people. And we're not blaming ourselves for the, for the insanity by which people, because of genocide, like the most non-genocidal wars ever happened, you know, rescuing millions of people, et cetera. Well, you don't need to repeat that. But like the, the, the fact that people can twist themselves into knots, fine. But that is, when I say non-genocide, I mean, I'm not belittling the tragedy of people dying and, and civilians dying, but I mean, the, you know, all the stuff we know, the civilian to combat ratio is lower than it's ever been in, in, a, in a war with civil, in civilian areas, is, et cetera, et cetera, moving a million people out. How, how you warp that and twist that, but that's the whole point. It's, it's you'll turn light into dark and dark into light. That's how you'll do it. But that's because we're not doing our job. It's almost like because we're failing, there's almost a severance between where we are here and where the inner world wants to be. And that makes you vulnerable to then everything dark in the world coming to get you and, and accusing you of being, you know, accusing you of being immoral. Well, on this deep level, it's we are failing what we're meant to do, but not what they're accusing us of, but it doesn't matter. In a way, what they're accusing, we're doing worse than what they're accusing us of in the sense that we're letting the world down. Right? So that's, okay. Before, before you struggle, was made before yeah. What, what was this? this there was always was Israel. No, no, there was always Israel is another name for Adam. The world was meant to be Israel. Israel is, is Adam is the soul of humanity. Israel is the state of humanity living the way it's meant to live in the future. Yashar Kel, the straight one of God, where God's light shines straight through into the world. That was what Adam was meant to become. Had he not messed, had the single soul of all of humanity not messed up in the Garden of Eden, we'd have all been this thing called Israel. 
then we're waiting. Is Nurch going to become it? Is, is this one going to become that one going to become it? And eventually it settles on a small part of humanity. You plug into it for now in the short run. In the long run, in Olam Abba, by the time you get to the world as it will be in the future, everything will be part of this thing called Yisrael. <laughs> That's what it means when we say we're citizens of the future. That's what it means in the Targum Yonason, Targum Yushalmi, when the translation of Torah that says, in ancient, the ancient translation that says that Hashem took us that night of, of Egypt into the future to sit in the base of Mikdash, to live in the Holy Temple in Yerushalayim, in Jerusalem, eating with, we're basically Mashiach. We were created with as people of a future. We touched that inner plan and vision and we became living in this world really as people who live for its future. And that future is calling us. That's why the Sedron, which you become free, is called Bo, which means come. You'd expected Hashem says to Moshe, Lechel para, go to para. What does it mean, come to para? Come is what you say when you're standing on the other side and calling someone. Hashem is calling us from the future. And that soul of history is called Yisrael. That voice of the future, that thing that's pulling the world, driving the world to where it needs to get to, is called Yisrael. And it manifests down on earth right now through you and me, right? And in the end, every human being can be a part of it. Okay. Now, <clears throat> so that, but that is all the way there for you, like the inner soul of history, the inner soul of reality, the inner soul of existence. Okay. Ooh, we don't have so much longer. Let's see if we can get to, we'll get to the end of the chapter. We'll do the footnote next week. That's how we often do that. Okay. So let's, uh, so this is so even higher than the throne of God. This is the thing that the vision, the vision that Yechezkel has when he sees a figure on the throne of God's glory and it looks like a human. And you think, is this idolatry? You know what's going on? No. <laughs> God, it's God's will. It's not God. God's will looks like a human because God's will is the human being, is the human achieving perfection. And the human achieving perfection has a name, and that name will be Israel. Israel. That's why so many nations want to be Israel. It's coming from a very good place, and they will all be part of Israel. That's what's going to all be. Right. So let's jump. Right. In this pasuk and Tehillim, backwards and forward and, and future that it's made. Back all the way to beginning of creation. Kadem leuvda de Merkava. And Kedem Hayo, like from before, backwards and from before, is the picture of the Merkava, the vision of God's chariot. Shem Itzel, as far as the body is concerned, it's, it's the end of creation. So the human is on the one hand, the last physically with the end of creation. But as far as the Kedem, so we both offer the end and also Kedem, the beginning, with the end of creation in the sense of of. Physically, we're the last thing. We come at the end of the whole, the whole development of everything biologically, which is itself at the end of all the worlds. But as far as the soul goes, Kedem, we're right stretched all the way to the vision of the beginning. Even the world of the throne. And the soul of life is really like the secret of the breath of life God breathes into the world, which we need to understand what that is. And we will explain that in later chapters. Later on in chapter 15, And that's why the human action drives all the worlds. Because we are plugged in. We stretch from here to here. We're operating down here consciously but we're also operating all the way out there. Since the will and vision of God is a vision for humanity, therefore humanity is ultimately going to be the key story to the final chapter. 
And therefore, all of us right now are pulling and being pulled by this inner vision of Yilaika, of all creation. says, as we move, we ignite more light down here. As we move this way, we shut off the light. It's all one gigantic interplay. As we move, it moves. As we stand still, it stands still. In the possible the verse describes breathes into the spirit of life. It's the highest point in the world. It's the inner dimension. That made man into the living soul. And as we saw earlier, he said it means the soul of life. The life force of the worlds. The soul of the human goes all the way up to the deepest, 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 all the way to the will of God himself. And that is the amazing things that we have covered this week. Next week, Yemit Hashem, please go, we will cover the footnote. It's quite a long and important footnote and hopefully be able to go on into the sixth chapter, which is also a really, really, really important chapter, which will take us a while. The sixth chapter takes, it is not, that will take us probably a few weeks. Ready, to cover it. ready for it. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Pleasure, yeah. pleasure. Thank you.